Hello there. Welcome to Digging Deep. I'm your host, Jordan Cameron. This is a podcast where I'll be bringing a series of interesting guests on to talk about their passions, beliefs and views on the world. And through these conversations, I can hope you can all go away, never being afraid to dig deeper into your everyday lives to find the truth, beauty and new potentials and possibilities we can all truly achieve in this world. Today's guest is an extremely good friend of mine, Nick Timmy. Nick has taught me so many incredible life lessons from how to remain humble as possible for the smallest things to how to achieve my goals, no matter how hard the hurdles may be in life, which makes him a perfect guest for today's show. Nick, are you there, buddy? Yeah, I'm here, man. How are you? Uh, so honored to finally have you on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty great, man. I'm pretty stoked about it. Yeah, so glad we can finally do this um, while the world is on pause and like going into crazy mode as well it's um it's great <laughs> yeah it's uh definitely a interesting time to be alive to say the very least yeah we'll have uh, loads of stories to tell when we're a lot older as well <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um so to start off every show i like to ask every guest uh when you were younger what were some of the things that opened your eyes to a new perspective on how much positivity and perspective the world can offer you as a person yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one. Um, I mean, I grew up, you know, in a, my parents divorced when I was pretty young, you know, so that was probably a pretty huge factor, I think. And I mean, I think a lot of it was just, I grew up in a, not a necessarily, I didn't have a bad childhood. A lot of people, you know, are like, oh, I did worst childhood ever. I'm like, it wasn't bad. You know, I had a lot of great things, you know, but I come from, a, you know, a lower middle class family in the middle of Indiana and, you know, and it was, I was, wasn't exactly surrounded by negativity, but it wasn't exactly a positive vibe, you know, a small town in Indiana where, you know, most of the people that live there never left, you know, I can count on one hand the people in my graduating class in high school that actually did leave our hometown. It was, you know, we, uh, I wanted more. I wanted to go find more. I always knew there was more, um, from a young age. And, you know, when I, you know, turned 18, graduated high school and everything, I just, I, I wanted to go out. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to meet new people from different walks of life and really just always try to get to the next level, I guess, you know, and, as yeah. far as, you know, getting to, you know, I moved to Florida when I was, you know, 19 after a, you know, short stint in the army, uh, shattered my ankle and they uh, said, you're no good. There was broke. So go home. I said, that's fine. And, uh, you know, moved down to Florida and, you know, I met a lot of really interesting people down there, just, just different perspectives, different, you know, ways of thinking, you know, just, it was, I was living in Orlando and just, opened my eyes to a whole bunch of just really cool things and and it was it was awesome you know i loved i loved living there you know it was definitely a struggle you know finding work was not exactly easy and the work i did find was was definitely not high paying by any stretch but it was that experience was really helpful to me as far as just finding out you know that there is more to life and more to the world than you know a tiny little town in, in indiana that uh you know is not very diverse. It's very, you know, it's a very white town. You know, I will say that it's, you know, not a lot of diversity. People are all pretty conservative and, and it's, you know, it'll, it'll shape your brain a certain way 
and a lot of people just fall into that. And I, I wanted to be nothing like those people. You know, I love all of my family and everybody that's still there, but you know, I just, it, it's not for me. So. Yeah. I mean, that's really inspiring that, um, uh, cause I, um, I'm still learning new things about you. I never knew you grew up in Indiana actually, bro. That's pretty mad. Um, you were saying that, um, you actually wanted to, you were inspired actually to go out and, hunt for more things and meet new people what actually inspired you to actually say to yourself you know i want to go out and find new possibilities that's out from indiana i guess i mean a lot of it was driven by music i will say that you know music's always been a massive part of my life um from a very young age you know i I, my mom was really great about i guess exposing me at a young age to to music you know and she had me when she was 16 you know so she was a child basically when I was you know growing up I mean (laughs) you know so she was in her early 20s when I was like five and I remember watching like you know Guns N' Roses on on MTV and like Metallica like you know on MTV when I was that young and being like man that's cool like I just I want to do that like I don't care about anything else I just like totally wrapped myself up in music and and that was kind of a lot of the reason i i moved to florida was because i was like all right i live in indiana there is no music scene here it is completely shot you know nobody you know is doing anything you know you're never gonna find your music career in in indiana you know the only guy that ever did that was john cougar mellencamp and you know that was it And, and michael jackson i suppose but you know that was south bend that's chicago that's not you know that's not indiana so um but yeah i mean it's like or gary i guess michael jackson from gary someone's gonna fact check me but uh (laughs) you know it's it's like you know i wanted to that was really the 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 motivation was go somewhere where i think music is is huge and or not you know everybody's like go to la go to la and i was like nah la's i don't know if i'm ready for that i need to take some baby steps you know i'd never left indiana up to that point I mean, other than like vacations and stuff, but I'd never like lived anywhere else. And I was 19. And I was like, you know, this is this is pretty nuts doing what I do. I mean, I moved to Florida in, you know, a matter of a, literally an hour is the time it took to make the decision to move to Florida. And it was Jesus. We were. Yeah, I got, you know, got thrown out of I got evicted from this apartment because we had this crazy party and. You know, and they were like, you know, you got to be out by the end of the week. And I'm like, crap, what am I going to do? You know, I looked over at my buddy who was staying with me, who just moved back from Florida because he went down there with college and then graduated, came back. And I was like, bro, you want to go back to Florida? And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, like we can leave tomorrow. Like, all I got to do is go pick up this check from my job and, and we could throw whatever we got in my car. We can leave tomorrow. And we literally did. And... Wow. It, it was like that, you know, it was like we were chasing the dream, you know, and at that time, you know, early 2000s, you know, you know I'm 37 now. I mean, early 2000s, Central Florida was like the hotbed for, you know, it was that was, you know, arguably where metalcore was kind of born and, and hardcore was really big. And that was the stuff I was into, you know, on the surface. But I was like, might as well go there. I mean, I think we got a better chance there than than anywhere. So that's what, that's how we ended up there. It was, it was, it was nuts, man. But I look back on it and it's probably the smartest thing ever. One of the smartest things I've ever done. So. 
So you say it was one of the smartest things, but what, um, was it also scary for you to take that first step out of Indiana to essentially go out into like all, all Florida and everywhere else and experience these new things? Like it must, um, I imagine it must have been scary or wasn't it? I mean, it was, but I don't know. I mean, it wasn't terrifying. I mean, everybody's like, you know, I was dying to get out of there. I mean, I was, you know, I was ready to leave. I was beyond ready to leave. I didn't care. I just needed an opportunity. I just needed it. I needed an excuse. You know, I needed to get out. So it wasn't like I was scared. You know, I mean, I've never been in a situation really where I've been super scared of something. You know, I've made a lot of big decisions in my life that can massively impact my life. You know, I've always been kind of a carefree person when it comes to that stuff, you know, just because it's not, you know, people who are afraid of, you know, I think a lot of people are just driven by fear and that they're afraid to mess up. You know, they're afraid that something's going to go wrong. And I feel like a lot of people that are like that, you know, and I know a lot of people that are very close to me that are like that. And, you know, it it holds you back. You know, you have to be willing to take chances and, and take risks and make mistakes. And I think at that time, I've, I've had that in me for a long time, probably my whole life. And, you know, with, you know, big risk comes big reward. You know, did the big reward come and move to Florida? No. You know, I got down there, ran out of money in like a year, you know, and like <laughs> basically starved for the better part of six months. But the experience that I had was, you know, I couldn't put a price on that. And it was just, it was incredible. You know, I had so much fun. And, you know, I felt free for the first time in my life. You know, that moment when you move out of the house, you know, and everybody's got that first moment of freedom, you know that's when I felt it. And from that point on, I was like, yep, I can't, it'd be hard for me to do anything else from this point on. I do see what you mean. Like that, um, that feeling of freedom, like when, um, say for when I came to stay with you, for example, in 2018, um, my folks must've been like, Oh my God, we're letting him go again. Um, we've never met these people he's staying with, but um, that experience of like freedom that you've given me the opportunity to have. And it is, it's really, I don't know. It's really eye opening to say the least. Um, so I can really relate to you on that. Yeah. <laughs> and especially um, the driven by fear thing. It's also like um, the people you hang yourself around with, like they could, um, they have that sort of mental impact saying, Oh, you know, stay here be happy with a content life or you know the nine to five and things like that but then there's no excitement in it and you don't get to experience things like you were just saying you know for sure yeah I mean yeah. that's that's what I was trying to get away from you know I worked so hard and to just get away from you know look where I grew up you know you do one of two things you either graduate high school go off to college and come back and maybe you know, do something, you know, there's not exactly a lot of doctors and lawyers come out of my high school, you know, it wasn't like, there. Was, yeah. you know, you go off to college and do that. And, you know, you know, seven out of 10 people that went off to college out of my hometown, you go out to college and just party their ass off and, and, you know, get okay grades or whatever, and then come home and, and end up working some, you know, stiff job or whatever, or you could just go straight to the factory. You know, I mean, my hometown is, you know, there was an RV factory and there's a boat, uh, a like a speedboat factory. 
that's it. Like, and then there's some other random factories too. And like, but I worked at the RV factory, you know, it sucked. I mean, I was, I was in there at 19 working, you know, 40 hours a week, you know, going to work at six in the morning, getting off at like three and then like go home and drink myself stupid and then wake up, rinse, repeat, do it again the next day. And I was like, this life sucks. Like, and there's guys been doing that for 30 years in that place. I mean, I worked with guys that have been doing it for, and they loved it. You know, they're like, oh, we make, you know, 15 bucks an hour and we're killing it. And I'm like, nah, dude, you guys are missing out. Like, there's no way. Like, this is one sorry, sad existence. I mean, there's, you know, not, I'm not knocking it, you know. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are still doing that back home. And that's great. If it was working for you, good, man. But it, it didn't work for me. It was not something I could do. And I really just i had to move on and find something else you know and 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 i did so it's definitely paid off for you with all the stories you've told me and um experiences you've actually given me as well which i'll go on to in a bit um but also i want to move the topic on to um how are you holding up into today's world as um well you can't see me here but i'm using quote marks in today's (laughs) new normal (laughs) yeah man yeah it's it's like I said earlier, man, it's, it's, I say it every day. I swear I was, you know, I go, what a time to be alive, you know? Cause it's just, you know, I think about, you know, you ever tell yourself like, you know, man, if I could be, you know, 20 years older or I could be, you know, maybe if I was 10 years younger, you know, something like that, if I could have grown up in a different time or lived in a different time. And, you know, I constantly yeah. come back, you know, I used to say, like, man, if only I was 10 years older and then I could have like lived through the nineties as an adult, because most of my favorite music came from the nineties, you know? So like, um, but like, you know, I mean, being where I'm at now and just like, you know, I'm in the United States, you know, and, uh, I live in Ohio and it's like, you know, it's so weird right now. Everything's so weird, you know, with the, with the coronavirus and everything, it's, you know, people are stupid, man. I mean, I hate, I hate to be that negative, but you know, I'm surrounded by people who don't believe this or they do think it's real and they just don't care. You know, you, you know, our, our governor literally just enacted a, a had to make it a, like an ordinance or law in the state of Ohio. You have to, or at least in the County I live in, in the surrounding counties, you have to wear a mask if you're out in public. Like, he had to make it a law. Like, come on. You're kidding me, right? Like, so that's where it's at. You know, with the current, you know, you know, I work in the production industry. I work in, in live music. I, I am in the business of mass gatherings of people. And I've watched my entire industry just be decimated, like, by this thing. You know, guys who have had great careers you know very very fruitful careers and have you know done very well for themselves are now literally it went from having a great job that paid great money to they have nothing and you know it's not just artists it's crew people it's you know it's security people it's all kinds of people that are being affected by this you know and that's just in you know like live production concerts. I'm not even going into the account of, you know, sporting events, you know, think about how many people it takes 
to put on a baseball game or a hockey game or a football game. Yeah. It's like, you know, just how many people are working the concession stands? How many people are working security, the ushers, the, you know, thousands of people in every city are literally went from having work to now we don't. And, you know, the government's not handling it in a way that is, you know, they're like, here's a stimulus, blah, blah, you know, here's some money. We'll just throw money at it. You know, that's the, that's the American way. You know, we just throw money at a problem <laughs> and, and, and it'll go away. And the worst thing <laughs> is that, you know, coronavirus doesn't give a shit about money, you know, and it's, it's not going to go away. You know, it's, it's till we get a vaccine, it's not going to go away. And so people are just, I think, you know, there's a second, I believe there's a second wave coming. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big, dumb audio guy. I'm a sound guy, for crying out loud. I have no science. <laughs> I am not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination, but I firmly believe that there is a second wave of this coming to the United States. And it's probably going to be worse than it was before. You know, I mean, it was brutal, man. We were home, you know, my kids, my poor kids, I, you know, I have two 12-year-olds. And, you know, I, I, I can't imagine what this is like through their eyes. You know, we're talking, they're supposed to start school in the fall. You know, they're going to be doing homeschool because, uh, frankly, you know, my son Jackson, he's got, you know, he's got asthma. I'm not sending my son with asthma to a school like he's considered high risk. You know, he barely leaves the house now, you know, and, you know, my daughter, Audrey, you know, she's just, you know, same thing. You know, she doesn't have asthma, but why would you send your child to a building full of kids that aren't wearing masks? And, you know, it's just it's not safe, you know, and, and I'm. It sucks, but, you know, we're navigating it. We're figuring out what it is, you know, that we have to do, you know, I'm back to work, you know, you know, thankfully I I was not unemployed through all this, you know, Um, you know, my company's been doing a lot of really great things, just trying to kind of restructure and and really retool ourselves to, you know, and and getting really creative as far as, you know, how we're going to go forward and and everything so you know that's been great you know we're, we're really it's you know it's just it's a weird time to be alive you know and on top of that you know the whole thing with um you know with uh i mean i'm sure everybody around the world is you know seeing what's happening on the news in america right now not even talk you know talking about you yeah know, the, the george floyd situation and and everything and it's you know it's really interesting. I mean, especially being in the United States, I feel like we're in this crazy, you know, we're in the middle of some, some historic things right now, you know, and politically and, and, and just, you know, from a, you know, civil rights standpoint, you know, things are, things are really, you know, this is a huge time in history and it's really, you know, it's, it's beyond past time, you know, it's, it's crazy, but, you know, we're holding up and, uh, we're get we're getting through it, man. You know, it's. Uh, that's good to you're getting through it. It's um. That's what you got to do. You got to adapt and strive. <laughs> you know, that's what you that's what you have to do. So. Yeah, I mean, it was um going on from what you said. Like, it's um an interesting time to be alive, and most of this will go down in history. Like, people will talk about this for years to come, and how crazy this year was. Like, it started off with World War Three, and then we went to 
like the goddamn murder hornets and crazy ass <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny because I forgot about the murder hornets, and uh, you know, someone was saying the other. I saw a meme the other day that said, you know, can we go back to the stimulus check and Joe Exotic part of quarantine? Like, you know, and <laughs> you know, my official stance is that Carol Baskin did kill her husband, even though my beautiful wife will. Uh, she doesn't think he did. She did it, but uh, I think Carol Baskin did it. So, just you know. We're t- we're, going, we're digging deep here, so we got to talk about that. Thank you, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, you were saying um, you work in obviously, you, as you quoted, you're a big dumb sound guy, and you work in um, the industry. Uh, how much does it worry you that it's affected the industry currently? And like you said, there you think there's a second wave coming. It, it didn't affect the industry. It straight up murdered the industry. I mean, literally. Wow. <laughs> overnight, man. I mean, literally, we went from, you know, I worked for a production company in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And and uh, we went from having the full schedule, full calendar of, of gigs and business coming up to having absolutely nothing in about a four-day period. Four days. It was Jesus. literally like watching the calendar just explode in front of my face. You know, it was like first it was, you know, we do uh, music cruises, you know, festivals that see we do like the a couple of the different concert cruises that are out there. And, uh, you know, all those were getting canceled. I mean, the cruise ships, we came off the last one at the end of February or middle of February, I guess. And it was, you know, they were literally asking us while we were boarding the cruise ship, you know, have you been in contact with anybody from China? Have you been to mainland China in the last 14 days? Like, like, no, man. <laughs> and then we get back into port and there's a cruise ship across the way. And they're like, yeah, that whole cruise ship is on lockdown because someone tested positive for coronavirus on it. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, really? This is what's happening? This is nuts. Like, and then, you know, this is like Valentine's Day time. I remember because I got home the, the day before Valentine's Day and uh, it was nuts, man. And it was like, and then we're like, okay, it's not a big deal. It's, you know, they have it under, you know, we're being told I have it, we have it under control. We have it under control. <laughs> a month later, it's like, yep, yeah, no, we don't have anything under control. This thing's spreading like wildfire. Everything's getting locked down. You know, first it was so-and-so canceled their tour. Then it was someone else canceled their tour. And then it was someone else canceled their tour. Then it was cruise ships aren't about to happen, you know. And we're just like, fuck. You were sitting here like, <laughs> we're like, you know, we're sitting here like we're, we were on our way to having what would have been one of the biggest years in probably the history of our company to now we're, you know, applying for paycheck protection loans. And, you know, like trying to figure out how we're going to stay in business, you know. And it's like, this is a... Uh, you know, it, it, it murdered. And I mean, all my friends, you know, all my friends who are artists, who are, you know, techs, who are, or whatever, you know, anybody who works in that industry is literally home, which right now would be the time of year where I would try to call guys for gigs and be like, yo, you know, come out and do a front of house for this gig and whatever. And they're like, bro, I'm on tour till the end of August, you know, and that would be it. So definitely, definitely. It killed, it killed our industry. And, you know, will our industry come back? You know, it's trying to come back. We're, we're trying, we're, you know, innovating, coming up with new ways to, 
you know, bring entertainment to people because that's, I mean, really what we do is we entertain people, you know, people go to concerts and people, you know, people want that. That is a, a huge part of life for a lot of people. You know, I know you in particular, you know, that's how I met you was through that. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure you're dying to go to a concert. You know, you have been on a barricade since probably what, February or January. I mean, come on. It's like, yeah, like it was February uh, last in London. And I was just thinking back to it the other day. And I just thought, you know what? I actually took that show for granted. I was just like, man, I need a show because I'm like, I've been working through all this and I just need some sort of therapy. Right. And I was just, yeah, I was just hoping that like Trump was going to keep your country open. So I can <laughs> come hang with you or something. Yeah. And then like catch up and great shit like that but then it was just like nope you've still got to go to work go to work right right yeah it's funny because like now it's you know i saw a thing the other day on you know social media or whatever and it was like you know it it was a map of the world and it was like the countries where an american passport is welcome right now and it was like two countries and it was they were like (laughs) they were like third world countries i'm like yeah i think i'm good i don't really need to go to ghana right now you know like whatever but uh i don't know man it was it's uh it's it's crazy but yeah it's it's doing it's wreaking hell on our on our uh, on our industry man it sucks it really does i mean i hope you got you all can bounce back from it because like you do such a good job for us like you really do i mean i even see what you're doing on your social media for the um loud and clear that um you, you once you did a um i think it was a live quarantine stream so like people could just have watched through their whatever, like streaming services and things like that. So it's great that you're finding new innovative services and ways to connect to keep people entertained. Yeah. I mean, that was something that I came up with, you know, really was, you know, I'm going to say I was inspired by the dropkick Murphys, but I, I more like I ripped it off from the dropkick Murphys. Um, you know, <laughs> they did a live stream because they were supposed to do like their album release show or something. And they did this live stream and I was, you know, I love dropkick Murphys. Who doesn't, you know, they're great. And um, I was watching and I was like, dude, I could do that in my shop. I was like, we have all the stuff. We are a production company. We have cameras, we have lights, we have speakers, we have, you know, everything, you know? And, uh, but here's the problem. I don't know how to do video. You know, I'm an audio guy. I don't know. I barely know how to do that, you know. And it's uh, – so I started doing some research. And, you know, that's the one thing I always tell, you know, my team that works with me. I'm like, you guys always have to expand your skill set, you know, because you never know. You never know what's going to happen. You know, I, the old school days when you could just be a, an audio guy and that's it are dead. I mean – especially now, you know, like me, I taught myself how to do all the live stream. I taught myself how to, you know, switch video. And, you know, I had some friends, you know, help me out with a couple questions here and there, but for the most part, I figured it all out on my own. And, and my whole goal in that was that, look, all my people are, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm on salary. I, I work on a salary, you know, as long as I'm still employed, I'm still getting paid, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm very, very lucky and grateful that I have that, you know, and, and, you know, shout out to Bill, my boss, you know, owns our company. He's a great, great guy. And he just, you know, he kept me on that whole time. But, you know, all of our frontline techs, most of them are subcontractors. You know, they all work on, you know, they're all 1099 employees, which, you know, that means nothing to you because <laughs> your tax forms are probably different than ours. But it's like, you know, yeah. all of our guys are freelance techs. We're going to have a hard time figuring out money. And this is before the stimulus. And I was like, you know what? 
if they can do this and take donations for this, that, and the other thing, then why can't we? And, you know, we are lucky that uh, good friend Larry Moran, who uh, does the Monsters of Rock cruise, um, he's the producer of that, and he was like, we can use my, you know, his uh, Facebook channel to to really reach a broader audience. So we did a couple streams. I did one yesterday, um, which is pretty cool with Enough's Enough. It was, you know, a good time. These guys are a great band from Chicago. And uh, they, uh, you know, we we made some money for the guys. You know, I didn't take a cut. I was like, you know, just split the money behalf, split the money between the band and the crew, and then the crew splits it up. And then, and you know, it helped some of our, some of our crew get through a rough time, you know. So I was just glad I could help. I just... You know, they, they work their asses off for, for me and for my company, and I just want to do everything we can to take care of them, you know. Especially in times like these as well, because obviously everything's literally gone down the shitter, so people need that support, and wherever they can get it, that's really heartwarming to hear, man. That's, that's really, really, really nice of you. Um, what I also wanted to know is how much control do you believe the media has from the news we see on the TV from to our phones on to people's minds because i remember when this entire thing started um you had the same problem as me when we couldn't get any toilet roll or anything (laughs) yeah people were just going mad yeah um i mean i don't know what it's like you know I, i used to really not watch news at all mainly because you know i i hate politics i hate i hate all that i you know i'm not a big fan of of the government <laughs> never have been I guess that's the, <laughs> the old punk kid in me just I, I don't trust the government I don't trust politicians you know I don't I, I don't against the machine <laughs> yeah I mean that's I, I grew up I grew up on Rage Against the Machine and they said fuck you I won't do what you tell me and I and I took it to heart man and you know it's like <laughs> you know and that was uh you know that's kind of my view but in recent you know probably the last six months I've been watching a lot more news and it's you know, I feel that the, the media has, you know, there's there's the media, the mainstream media, and then there's social media. You know, social media is full of bullshit. You, you know, it's full of, <laughs> it's full of opinions. It's full of, you know, you know, I always say, you know, you find out who your real friends are on Facebook, you know, and it's like, because, you know. The anti-vax moms. <laughs> yeah, the Karens of the world, you know. and uh, <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, my mom's name's Karen, so, you know, I don't. <laughs> I don't take any offense to it, but, uh, you know, it's, I feel that people are just, people want answers and that's what it comes down to. Everybody wants an answer. No one's willing to, to come up with the answer. They just want the answer, you know? And it's a lot of times is that, you know, you, you look at it in the United States, at least, you know, we have our media is so strong. It's, there is no such thing as a non-biased media in the United States. We have, you know, you know, right-wing news, Fox News, you know, who pretty much will tout anything that the Republican Party or Trump spews out. And then you have, you know, your CNNs, which, you know, everybody's like, fake news, fake news. You know what? <laughs> whatever, dude. You know, they're, they're going to spew out whatever the, the, the DNC wants. And, and they're always going to lean left, you know. You've got your far left stuff. You got your far right stuff. You know, it's there's no center, you know, when it comes to the media. So, you know, it's so funny because over the years, you know, you watch the news, you watch back when, you know, George W. Bush was the president, you know, all day long. It was 
you know, MSNBC and, and CNN shit talking Bush, you know, and then the minute Obama's in office, they're all oh, Obama's the greatest thing ever, blah, 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 you know, and then Trump gets in office yeah. and then it's oh Trump's fucking devil and blah, you know, and it's like, but then you turn on Fox and it's just the same thing, just opposite. You know, they hate Obama or, you know, they love George W. Bush or they love Trump. You know, that's just the way it is in the United States. And it's it's stupid because, you know, I, I if for a second you think that any politician in the in I don't care where in the world, the minute that you think that they give a shit about you or your views or your problems or anything like that, you're an idiot. Give up. Because it's they don't they don't give a shit about you they don't give a shit about your problems you know what you and your family's going through they don't care it's you know it's a popularity contest is how they get there you know they're the people that they want power oh I want to make a difference okay sure prove it show me you know I've never seen evidence of that ever in my life you know and it's just like I've, uh, no wow. not in 37 years man have I ever seen evidence of how a government is going to make you know Obama came along with Obamacare and did a lot of great things but in the process did a lot of bad things too you know I mean there was with with Obamacare you know and you know me I'm not you know I I hold no party affiliation you know whatsoever I'm straight up the middle man like whatever mm. you know I I don't I don't really, you know, I tend to lean left for sure, you know, but for the most part, I, you know, it's just, it's the way it is. And it's, it it sucks that it's like that, but, you know, we got to get through it. And I feel that the media is, it's so, you know, as far as coronavirus and everything like that, you know, it's, you know, are they making it worse? You know, I don't know. You know, I don't think they are. You know, I think that if anybody's making it worse, it's the people that are saying this isn't a big deal and this isn't. You know, like the Brazilians president, <laughs> right? Everything's going to be fine. You know, those are the people that are making it worse, you know, you know, and then on the other side of it, you have, you know, people that are like, this is the worst thing ever and blah, blah, blah. And you're all going to die. And it's like, just can we not just find something up the middle, like something that's in, you know, hey, we're all going to die, but, you know, you might as well be happy or something like that. I don't know. You know, it's like, you know, I don't have all the answers by any stretch, but. I just believe that people need to people need to find chill the fuck out. People need to chill the fuck out. They need to find their own answers. You know, I really, I really feel that people need to, you know, stop feeding what people are, are you know, stop eating what people are feeding you, and and think for yourself. And and you know, it's it's really tough. It's really hard. You know, I get it. I know it's. I'm. You know, by no means am I some you know you know full of philosophy guy who you know whatever but i'm not you know i just know what i believe and i know what i think and and i just think people need to find their own answers and and use your brain you know people need to stop you know if if putting on a mask is gonna stop the spread of a virus and put on a damn mask big deal i hate wearing masks but i wear them you know they're uncomfortable they suck you know you, you know it's hot out. It's 90 degrees outside. You know, wearing a mask. It's if that's what I got to do. It's what I got to do. It's not a big deal. Yeah. There's bigger yeah, problems that, in the world than me having to wear a mask. You know, so. Yeah, like poverty and wars going on and everything like that. And then I've seen all these videos of like people saying, 
Or, you know, if you wear a mask, you're the same type of people who would put the Jews in the gas chamber. Oh, my and God. I'm like, Shut the fuck oh, up. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's why I don't like to go out a lot. So just so I hope to avoid those types of people. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if anything, quarantine stopped me is that I really have no reliance on general strangers at all. You know, it's like <laughs> I, don't, I don't get any enjoyment or, or any positive or negative feelings from people i don't know <laughs> if they're not around so well, i don't know man um well uh going on from what you were saying before um working in music uh where do you see life going in the music industry after this pandemic is finally over like maybe they might find a, a vaccine five ten years down the line or something or whatever but where do you see the industry after this is over you know man i hope it's sooner than that you know I don't know. You know, I, I feel that, you know, mass gatherings of people, you know, people want mass gatherings, you know, people want, you know, people want to be smashed against the barricade while their favorite bands on stage, just ripping it up. You know, that's, yeah. I mean, I remember, <laughs> you know, being a kid and spitting and, you know, mosh pitting and all that crap. And, you know, like touching other human beings in a, in, a, in a positive, you know, in a way that's, you know, we're rocking out, we're having fun, you know, and, and people want that, you know, people are, are hungry for that. You know, there's a, I feel like there's an inherent human need for that, you know, for, and, and I don't know that it's going to be the same after this, you know, I think that concerts could be super weird after this and, you know, socially distanced and, and, you know, the other part of me is that it's gonna. I then this is what I hope for is that you know there's a vaccine and everything's gonna go back to normal, you know, and, and we're just gonna act like this never happened, you know. That's ideally what I think everybody wants is that, but most I I do, you know, believe that people are gonna be a lot more conscious of their health um, from a standpoint of you know sickness. You know, I used to be the guy that would go into work, you know, with 105 fever, you know, throwing my guts up and wouldn't think twice about it because that's just what (laughs) needed to happen. You know, I had to go to work, had to get the job done, you know, especially, you know, when I was touring, you know, it's like I I can't roll up to my, you know, TM at, you know, seven in the morning and go, hey, bro, I feel like I'm going to die. I got to call in sick. There's no calling in sick on tour, you know. You suck it up, you go out there, you do the gig. Meanwhile, you've got the flu and you're spreading that shit all over the place. And then next thing you know, the whole tour's got the flu. It's happened. It's a reality. You know, I'm definitely more cognizant of that now than I ever have been. You know, as far as like if I'm personally, if I'm sick, I'm staying home. You know, I'm not going to go to work. I'm not going to spread what I have, you know, to other people. But I don't know what it's going to mean for the concert industry. I mean, I really hope that it comes back. I really do. Um, it's just, it's so hard to tell, man. I mean, it's, I can't predict the future and I can't see what's going to happen. And I don't think anybody can right now. I think everybody in our business is just, that's the scariest part is we just don't know. We, and we're not gonna, you know, until it happens. So, you know, I read something this morning about, you know, someone was having a concert someone had a concert up in North Dakota or something. It was great white. And it's like with no social distancing restrictions and no anything, you know, just regular old concert. And I'm like, dude, that's stupid. Like, what are you doing? But the other part of me is like, that's awesome. They're having a concert. People are working. People are getting money. You know, and 
being able to feed their families and you know that and the, the crowd's getting to enjoy a concert you know but so it's it's kind of a double-edged sword man it's definitely interesting yeah it must be kind of scary as well because obviously you've been in the industry a long time so you'd know um obviously it's better to get your point of view than someone else who hasn't been in the industry or not knowing what actually goes into making a proper show happen because you know people can just turn up for a show go to the barricade and think oh yeah you know they put on a great show and everything like that and um but everything that goes into it like the touring the rigging the lighting i don't think people um i don't know if people appreciate that um more or um they should probably see it from like what you've gone through like all the rigging the tuning for guitars uh making sure snares you know sound in tune and things like that so um do you do you feel like people appreciate that or um do you feel they need to see it i mean here's the thing when you go into that line of work you kind of know going into it that it's a thankless job you know no one i don't care one bit that the person in the fifth row doesn't know that we were in there at 7 a.m you know chalking the floor and 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 pulling points like it doesn't I don't need the thank you. I guess for me personally, the thank you is, is just seeing that the crowd's having it and, and, and the check clears, you know, like as long as, yeah. you know, that's, that's my job. That's what I've chosen as a profession. And, and, you know, I guess if you want to be a, you know, if you want the thank yous and the accolades then you know, you should have practiced more guitar. You know, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's for me, it's, it's not about that. And I think I, I'm not going to speak for everybody else in my industry, but I, I can say that most people I know that are in this industry feel the same way. It's that it's not a, you know, we don't necessarily need to be appreciated, but it is nice that to know that people, are aware that we exist you know i mean i remember being a kid and going to my first concert and all i knew is that van halen was on stage and they were tearing it up you know i didn't need to i didn't need to know that you know their drum tech had been in there building that monstrosity of a drum kit at eight in the morning you know or yeah. or <laughs> or the guitar tech is you know stood around for six hours during the day and tuned eddie van halen's guitars like you know it's not a big deal it wasn't a big deal to me and and you know i mean i i really do appreciate the people that you know in my career i've definitely had you know people that have reached out to me and you know definitely said thank you and dude make no mistake that does not go you know, I, I appreciate that more than anything, you know, it's great to know, but I'm saying is it's not like a necessity, you know, I don't, I don't need it, you know, but it is very much appreciated when it happens. You know, I've had a lot of people that were, you know, in the band I used to work for, they, uh, you know, reached out to me and were always really kind to me and, and told me that I was appreciated for what I did for the band and, and helped put on the concert that, you know, changed their life or whatever. And, and that was always great to hear, you know, that, that makes it worth doing, you know, it makes it, you know, to know that you played a, even a small part in, uh, you know, changing somebody's life or making somebody's, you know, life better is, is definitely rewarding. Yeah. It's going on from what you were saying about like how you wanted to sort of 
get away from Indiana and experience the world for really what it is. And you actually got to experience that. So it must be like really heartwarming to actually hear that all that hard work finally paid off no matter how long it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it was, you know, I always say that, you know, growing up there was, you know, you know, you always ask kids what they want to be when they grow up. And, you know, I always, if you'd asked me that question when I was a kid is I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a rock star, you know, and it, but as time went on, I, you know, still loved playing and I still loved doing all that. But I had an opportunity to go out and work with a pretty prominent band and, uh, you know, basically get the what I was looking for just through a different avenue. And I always said that my second favorite job would be working for a band, like being a, a roadie or, you know, production guy or something like that and, and that's where i ended up so i mean second best ain't bad you know i'm pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty stoked that i've landed on number two most people don't land on number 10 you know so it's like i'm pretty pretty lucky pretty fortunate that that's happened to me um so did you actually have a set plan for life um because you were saying before that you know you started off um, in the army and then there was uh, making a transition into music and then where you are today with your production company, with the incredible family that you have as well. Um, so did you actually have the set plan all, all made out when you were younger or do you believe in things like, you know, the sayings, God, um, God works in mysterious ways? I mean, the only plan was that there was no plan, you know, <laughs> you know, look, I'm not, you know, my thing is, is always has been I'm very much a go with the flow kind of person because you don't know where you're going to end up. You know, you never know where you're going to end up and, and you can plan and calculate all you want, but things are going to happen and you got to be able to think fast and move on, your, move on your feet. Like I never, you know, I guess the closest thing to a plan that I've ever had in my life was 18 years old. I signed a, a contract with the federal government saying that I was going to fight in their army for five years and I could potentially end up doing that for 20 and which means I would retire next year. And, Jesus. and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> I'm old. And, uh, that was the only real plan I've ever had in my life. You know, I, I just, as far as where I was going to end up and what I was going to be doing, you know, and when that thing blew up in my face, you know, uh, I didn't really have any plans. I didn't have a fallback plan. You know, I didn't have a, well, now what? You know, I had a, you know, they, they put five grand in my checking account and said, go. I said, okay. So I went home and I was like, well, now what am I going to do? Well, I guess I'm going to go work in a factory because that's what everybody else does in Decatur, Indiana. So that's how I ended up there. And from then, man, honestly, it's been a lot of, you know, spontaneous decisions. It's been a lot of rolling the dice and seeing what happens. Cause in my life, I've definitely had the chips fall in my favor more times than not. And I, you know, I think that a lot of it had to do with, you know, hard work and, and, and just, you know, figuring out how to navigate through different situations. But, you know, I've been, you know, in my older age, it's like, okay, what's my long-term plans now? You know, I definitely have more plans now, you know, with my career and, and my family and everything. But, 
you know, to get here, there was definitely no plan. You know, it was definitely all just chalk it up to dumb luck and, and hoping <laughs> and hoping for the best, you know, and just working hard. Uh, so you were saying the uh, chips fall in your favor because of the hard work that you've done. Um, would you say some of us are wired differently, like through our DNA to achieve success through our work ethic? Or would you say it's something different? Like, would you say maybe there's something that actually pushes you out to go and achieve that success? Or would you say it could actually be wired into us like when we're born through our DNA? Well, I definitely believe that every person is wired differently. I don't feel that any two people are ever wired exactly the same way. Um, you know, people are wired from birth. I feel that there's there's the wiring and then there's the programming. You know, there's, there's the, you know, you can build the computer, but how are you going to program it? You know, and the, and, Very true. and the computer may, ne- may not necessarily be able to handle the programming, you know, to an extent. You know, for me, it was growing up, you know, my dad taught me from a young age that you've got to work your ass off no matter what you do. You've got to work hard and you you cannot ever stop busting your ass. You have to, no matter what you're doing. And you, you're all, no matter what, you know, you know, my dad, very similar stories. I wouldn't say similar, but in a lot of ways, but certain ways, you know, he, you know, he had a kid when he was 17 and he had to figure it out. You know, I didn't have any kids till I was in my twenties, but you know, he had to figure things out. You know, he didn't go to college. He didn't, you know, I didn't go to college, you know, he didn't, he didn't, but he landed in a career that made him happy and that he could work and he worked really hard to get to where he is. And now is in a position of where he's making great money and has a great life and has a great home and and everything's awesome. You know, he didn't always have that, you know, and I'm in the same boat in that, you know, I make great money and I have a great family and the great, you know, things and I'm successful to an extent, you know, I'm not rich by any stretch, but I'm, I'm very happy. And, and certain people are, are not programmed from a young age to work hard. You know, people are not, you know, they, they're not taught that it's, it's something that you have to do. It's, I don't think anybody inherently knows how to work hard or that why they should work hard, you know? And so, I mean, that's part of it, you know, and also we live in a culture of entitlement, you know, a lot of people are, you know, especially younger generations feel that they're entitled to something and, you know, you're not, you're entitled to air. And that's it in this world. I mean, you're literally, in, yeah. that's it. That's all you get for free and everything else you got to work for. And it's, that's just the way it is. It's the way it's been for, for a million years. You know, it's just, you can't expect someone to give you something. You have to be willing to go out there and find it and take it and, and make what you can out of it. So, I mean, I feel that a lot of people are, you know, a lot of it has to do with the programming, you know, when you're a kid, how you're raised, how you're, what you're taught, you know, but also, you know, the learning never stops either. You know, you could be a total shithead from the time you're 18 to you're 23 and still turn out to be pretty good. You know, I'm proof of that because that was what I did. <laughs> you know, I worked hard, but I wasn't exactly, you know, where I was focusing my energy was not 
necessarily something that was going to lead to a you know a lucrative paycheck or anything it was you know and and not only that but the definition of success man i mean what is the definition of success i feel that every person has a different definition of success if you ask that guy that's you know we spoke about earlier that was you know working in a factory 40 hours a week for 30 years you know you go home and he's like yeah you know i got a nice little nice house and i got you know maybe he really likes you know collecting something i don't know pick something you know and he's got a whole bunch of it and you know he's happy that's success to him you know your definition of success versus my definition of success could be drastically different and yeah you know mine is you know it's definitely changed in the last couple of years you know i've always kind of strived to trying to be better you know, try to get to that next level, you know, in my career or whatever. And now it's, you know, I've finally gotten to a point where I've kind of reached a plateau to where I feel like, all right, I'm happy where I'm at. And that's the first time I've ever experienced that. And I feel that a lot of that has to do with the way that also has to do with the way you're wired, because I feel that, you know, certain people, you know, people's brains are all different, you know, for me, you know, I feel that part of it's, a, you know, part of my condition is that I always want to be better. I always want to be the best. And, you know, I don't know if that's the ADHD. I don't know what it is, but, you know, it's I came to a point not that long ago where I really had to go and, you know, evaluate myself and figure out what's going on with my brain. And I did. And it was probably the smartest thing I ever did. Because now I understand it and I know how to use it to my advantage. And it's it's been the most rewarding experience for doing so. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's definitely an interesting question. It's definitely an interesting, you know, I, I feel that certain people are programmed and wired to be more successful. But I feel that people have control over their own program. Definitely. I mean, um, when, when obviously before we started speaking and um, like more frequently and stuff, I feel I did have that drive. But when you gave me some of the lessons and the experiences that you have given me, which I'll t- I want to touch on later, um, I felt that drive and um, hunger to go and achieve more in life was um, really more elevated. Um, so I also personally feel that you you said sorry that um both of our definitions of success might be different but um i personally feel that it can be that right person that comes into your life and say look this is what i've learned um that's my advice but you can do it your way and yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's it man you you know you're you've got to get you know you're going to meet a lot of people in your life and and some good some bad but you got to be ready to take something from everybody you know, and, and what can I get out of this person? You know, what can I learn from this person? What can I learn to do from this person? What can I learn not to do from this person? You know, in my life, a lot of it's been what not to do from certain people, you know, and, and let them make the mistakes, you know, and you can learn from them. And, but also, you know, you're ready to make your own mistakes and learn from that. So that's, Definitely. I think it's what makes us human, essentially, really. Yeah, I mean, we're all just a bunch of fuck-ups when it comes down to it, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it just puts it bluntly, but truly, to be I honest. Mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, how would you say your upbringings have affected you into the person you are today? Well, I mean, I definitely get a lot of my personality from my grandfather. You know, he was very, you know, he fought in the Korean War and worked in a factory for his entire life. But he always had a sense, he always had a sense of humor. And he was, you know, he always said things that people would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just said that. And I've. I feel that <laughs> I've been that guy my whole life and I, I really don't have much of a filter and I, I just kind of say what I think and, you know, it gets me in trouble sometimes, but is what it is. And, uh, but I, I got a lot of that from him, you know, just, you know, but he also taught me the, the, the work ethic, you know, my, to my father and my grandfather, they both, you know, taught me that, you know, my dad was the one that taught me, you know, you gotta just go out and get it got to get what you want you know and work your ass off for it and uh my mom you know she taught me a lot about you know just i guess how to care for people you know i guess you know and try to help them you know try to help other people i guess you know even though it wasn't direct it wasn't like a you know I didn't grow up in a house where, you know, we were all like everybody, you know, I can count how many times on one hand, how many times I told my mom, I love her in my life. You know, it's like, that's just, yeah. the, that's the way it was. And, you know, but in my family, my immediate family, with my children and my wife, you know, it's like every day, every waking second, I'm telling them I love them. You know, it's just like, so, you know, like I said, you learn what to do, what to not to do from certain people. And, and that's just the way it ended up for me. And, you know, a lot of it was seeing my surroundings growing up too. you know, seeing people that aren't really wanting to get out and see the world and do things and, and saying, I don't want to be like that. I want to be, I want to say I've done something. I want to be laying on my deathbed and look back and say, man, I lived a cool life. You know, I had a good time. Definitely, man. I, going on from what you were saying earlier, um, it reminded me of a story from when we were in, um, uh glasgow after a show and um i came up to you and i was like oh nick you've always been like an older brother to me and then my little brother came up and he said oh uh nick uh you're like an older brother to me too and then um one of my mates liam came up and he said nick what am i to you and you said oh you're the weird cousin <laughs> <laughs> liam is the weird cousin so uh sorry liam. that's brilliant Liam, you're you're a great dude, and I love I love what you've done with your hair. So, uh, no, we went and got Nando's that day too. I remember that. Oh yeah, that was a good day, man. Yeah, there was a there was a I put a I remember too. I put a boomerang up of me sitting on a on a there was a like a tricycle in the corner, and it didn't have a chain on it. And I was sitting on it, like spinning the wheels on it, and it's just a boomerang of me looking like a total idiot, you know. But <laughs> it was it was fun, man. But yeah, man. I mean, that's the thing is, like, you you know, my whole thing is when I meet people, especially younger people, you know, I want to try to make a positive impact if I can, you know. And especially with like my line of work, you know, a lot of guys don't, you know, it's perfectly 
you know, guys reach out. I mean, now with, with social media and the way, you know, the accessibility in the world right now to people, you know, you're, everybody's accessible for the most part. If you're on social media, you're accessible to, to anybody, you know, yeah. I mean, an old friend from school can find me on Facebook and, and friend me on Facebook. I'm like, Oh, I ain't seen that dude since third grade, whatever. You know, next thing you know, you're having a conversation with them and you're like, oh, catching up with old times or whatever. And, you know, it's great. You know, the other thing was, is with in my industry that, you know, I had a lot of fans of the band that I worked for reaching out to me, you know, saying, hey, you know, we appreciate you. You know, you're great. Thanks for doing what you do for the band, you know. And I always tried to be as grateful as possible towards those people because, you know, I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for them. You know, if, if it wasn't for them liking the band that I worked for and them being a big band, then I, I I got no money. You know, I got no livelihood for my family, you know. So I feel like it's like I kind of owe them, you know, to an extent, you know. And a lot of people don't feel that way in our industry, you know, where it's like, they, you know, okay, they'll be nice, but they won't go to a certain lengths, you know. And I, I know when I met you, it was, you know, I saw a kid that was, you know, in love with the band and, and you, you know, you wanted to, you wanted to meet the band and all that stuff. And you did, and you know, you're on the first name basis with everybody and that's great. And it was just like, I just saw myself at a younger age before I was, you know, part of the industry and jaded by the industry and, 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 you know, too cool for school or whatever, but you know, and 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 I I was like, yeah, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to sit outside of a club till two in the morning, waiting for to get a thirty second conversation with with the bass player. You know, like yeah, you know, it's like I've been there. You know, I remember sitting outside the Agora Theater in Cleveland when I was like twenty, waiting to meet Danzig of all people, like. <laughs> You know, it was like below zero outside. I stood out there till like freaking two in the morning and I, and I never got to see dancing, you know, bummer, you know, shocker, you know, but, uh, it was like, you know, I remember that what that's like. So then I meet a guy like yourself who was in that situation and I was like, yeah, this kid's cool. Like he's from England. He's cool. You know, I want to be cool to this kid cause he should be, you know, you should be cool to him, you know? And that was you know, and it's just being cool to people, you know, what it comes down to is just, you know, being cool and, and treating people the way you want to be treated ultimately. But, you know, and that was, you know, kind of like, you know, you always say it took you. Know, I don't think like I did that much. I always felt like, you know, with you, it was just like, ah, I mean, we'd sit and talk and chat and, and hang out whenever we were in town or you were in town or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, that's kind of where it was. And, uh, but yeah. And uh, I wish you could see the smile I've got on my face uh, right now, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, man. You're too kind. <laughs> it's all good, man. <laughs> um, so going on from that, actually, um, was that just like the only thing that um, will you say that um, you, you didn't feel like you took me under your wing? So I don't know how I could alter this, but um, what sort of made you want to give me those, you know, amazing life lessons and experiences you've given me? Like you've, you've taken me to um, even, what was it? Uh, do a couple shows with um, the band you used to be in um, and 
actually living a life out on the road so what was actually was there just that or was there more things that actually made you want to give me those experiences and how do you believe someone else can become a beacon of light in someone else's life with the small actions they can do well I mean for for me it's you know like I said I think back to when I was you know I remember there was a time when I was younger I was probably 20 I was living in Orlando and it's 20 or 21. I was living in Orlando and we went and watched CKY. Uh, went to a CKY concert. And yeah. it, it was me and my buddy Marty. And I don't care anybody says CKY totally shreds. And um, and it's not because of Bam Margera. So, because um, he's not in that band. He made him popular because his brother's drummer, but whatever. Um, octave, pedals are, <laughs> octave pedals sound cool. Um, but. Nah, like, so we went to the show, and, and I went my buddy Marty, and, you know, after the show, he's like, I was like, I'm going to hang out downtown, because, you know, I don't want to go home. You know, it was like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock or something. I was like, I'm going to stay down here. He's like, well, I want to go home, because, you know, he was just wanted to go home, and he want to hang out. I was like, all right, well, I'm taking you home. So I took him home, and then I went back downtown, and was just by myself, walking around downtown Orlando, like just kind of bumming around, you know, smoking cigarettes, being cool. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, I like walk behind the club and there's this dude like sitting on the curb by the bus, by CKY's bus. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to this dude. And so I went and talked to him for a minute. I was like, Hey man, what's going on? You know? And he's like, Oh, you know, I'm just sitting here chilling, man, whatever. And, you know, we sat around bullshit for like a half hour and across the street comes, you know, Ginsburg and freaking Jess and Darren and Vern from CKY, the old lineup. And they come walking across the street. And the dude was telling me, he's like, yeah, I'm the guitar tech, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, just kind of shooting this shit with them. And, and those guys come rolling up and they're like, you know, look at me. And they're like, yo, who are you? And I was like, oh, I'm Nick. And they're like, dude, you want to come up on the bus and get a drink? I'm like, yeah. Hell yeah, I want to come up on the bus. I'm 20 years old. This is going to be the coolest thing ever. You know, I've never been on a tour bus day in my life. You know, so I totally went up there and, and, uh, you know, sat around and trying not to be awkward and just try to be cool and not fangirl. And like, next thing you know, I'm in like this really in depth conversation with Darren Miller about why Master of Puppets is the greatest metal album ever. And, it was one of the coolest experiences and I'm like, all right, you know, meanwhile, you know, Chad Ginsburg's in the, you know, back lounge with some dude's girlfriend or I don't know what was going on, but like, I'm just in there having the coolest conversation in the world with a guy who I look up to and it wouldn't have happened had it not been for that guitar tech being really cool to me. So I took that and moving down the road in my life. And I think about times like when that, monitor guy for the band was cool to another kid you know next thing you know he's hanging out whatever he's getting to experience the same thing I, i'm paying it forward in a way like this is you know i got to experience that cool experience someone else should get to feel that as well so i guess it's the little things it's you know making sure that you know anything you do in your life every day you could make a positive impact on somebody or you made negative i've made thousands of negative impacts on people i'm sure over the course of my life by just something i said you know or something i looked at them a certain way or or whatever just totally unintentional but i 
I know that I'm going to do that unintentionally. But most of the time, I'm going to try to intentionally make a positive impact on people, whether it be any little thing I can do. You know, I just want to, you know, I guess it comes down to just want to be a good person, you know, and contribute. I don't know. It's like you said, paving the way forward and experiencing. Actually, I want to say that as a um, really cool story there, man. Like it must have been just something you've never thought you'd get to experience right <laughs> no nah, man it was it was the that was when they were touring for uh infiltrate destroy rebuild their big album and it was it was the gnarliest show so <laughs> it, was, it was like a perfect ending to what was already a great night so it was it was really cool i didn't shut up about it for probably two months after that and all my friends were like yeah we get it dude you totally went on the bus but you know here, here it is like almost 20 years later and i'm still talking about it so i mean that tells you anything because I had a positive impact on you, like something that makes it last forever, which is um, you can't really buy those sorts of things, you know, like um, being a good person you and making those experiences, you can't really pay for it. And that's why it really sticks. I personally feel with everything you've given me as well. Um, like I go, I still chat to my friends about you and say, Oh, you know, I met this really cool guy called Nick. Um, He's taught me so much cool shit. Um, he's shown me so much and I love it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we've heard, we've seen all the pictures and stuff. <laughs> yeah. He's not that cool. Uh, <laughs> That's what they're, saying. <laughs> they're right. But uh, nah, it's cool, man. It's, yeah, no worries. man. <laughs> um, so what advice would you give to the listeners today if they are struggling in life and not knowing where to go in life or what to essentially do with their lives? I mean, I can tell you from experience, you know, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I had some recent stuff that's happened, you know, I was really, I mean, truth be told, you know, I spent most of my life battling, you know, what, what I now know is, you know, uh, major depressive disorder, you know, and I never knew that I, you know, I always knew something was wrong, but I never really had the courage, I guess, to kind of find out what was wrong and recently I did and I'm glad I did it really was a testament to my wife really she was she was a champ and just totally was kind of not not really pushing me in that direction but was definitely steering me in that direction like hey you know it's okay you can do that and you know so and a lot of people don't know that about me a lot of people that know me don't know that about me you know um, but you're digging deep yeah I mean (laughs) it's the it's the the theme right and it's but because i used to you know i used to get pretty down in the dumps man i mean it was it was rough you know there's a lot of rough parts of my life that were self-induced you know they were all things that i made worse or i you know manifested on my own and i could have it's not that I could have avoided them because the way I'm wired, my brain wasn't going to allow me to. So, you know, and I've been working on a lot of stuff personally, you know, just like trying to be more positive towards myself. You know, I think a lot of times I would try to please others and try to be good to other people, but I wasn't being good to myself. And I think that, you know, a lot of people, you know, it's making positive impacts on other people is important, but, if you're not making a positive impact on yourself and trying to 
live, you know, your best life <laughs> is then, yeah. then what the hell's the point? You know, there's nothing selfish about taking care of yourself at all. And it's just, whether it be like, you know what, Hey, life, everybody, you know, life sucks for everybody. You know, I, some, every single person in the world's got something going on in their life that definitely sucks, you know, some worse than others. It's, it's crazy to think that there's somebody in this planet who has a perfect life. And so it's, it's taking the time for yourself. It's, you know, you know, what do you do with your time? Do you have a hobby? Do you have, you know, is there something that you're passionate about? You know, me, you know, I I used to be passionate about music. I used to love playing music more than anything. I haven't touched a guitar in three years and I don't want to touch guitar. You know, I have no desire. I'm looking at it right now. It's been on a stand. It's covered in dust. You know, it's like, I, I, I don't touch, I haven't touched that guitar since the last time I was on stage and I don't care. <laughs> I'm fine with it. My priorities have changed. The things that make me happy have changed and, you know, finding new hobbies and finding new things to explore in your life and, and just searching for stuff that makes you happy stuff that, you know, who gives a shit about anybody else? If you're not happy, you're good to nobody. Yeah, because you can't spread that positive impact throughout the world to make it a better place, really, I guess. Right. Um, going on from what you were saying um, about focusing on your passions, um, I know one of your biggest passions as well, apart from music, is films. Um, what would you say films do for you in terms of like mental healing and taking your mind away from reality for a bit? And what are your top five favorite films that you'd recommend i mean for me you know films always been kind of a thing that i've always been into you know growing up i was you know my grandmother on my dad's side had a vast vhs collection and uh wow that takes me back (laughs) yeah i know right you know what that is um yeah (laughs) it's yeah crazy vhs collection she had like all the classics and stuff you know so i would go over and you know i remember she was the reason i discovered star wars because i was like you know had heard about star wars but i didn't quite know you know anything about it i think it was probably eight or nine or something like that and she's like oh well you need to watch star wars and so then i watched the trilogy you know and i was like oh my god this is the greatest thing ever to happen to mankind like totally <laughs> thought it was great you know and and and, uh, you know, it was like, there's some big life lessons, you know, in, in those films, uh, some big ones. And it's just, it's just it's such a great story. And then the characters are great. And George Lucas is a terrible director and, uh, <laughs> he got it one, he got it right once. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, as far as like top five favorite films of all time, I mean, I don't know, man. That's a tough one because it changes a lot. Um, I don't even know if I can answer that. I mean, as far as like stuff, I think people should have to watch like mandatory, like screening. You know, definitely if you don't like Star Wars, don't tell me you don't like Star Wars if you haven't seen it. You know, and I'm talking about. I love it. <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of my my stance on it. But I used to hate Star Trek too, but that was because I was a stupid fanboy, and I, you know, you can't you can't like Star Trek if you like Star Wars. Like, there's that classic thing. And then my wife 
totally got me into Star Trek. And, uh, you know, that's how I knew she was the one that she had the power to make me watch Star Trek and enjoy it. So not really, but <laughs> no, nah, but no, um, you know, obviously like Star Wars episode five is probably out of all of them is my favorite. I really liked what they did with nine. Nine was really good, but you know, it was, you know, JJ Abrams, anything he touches turns to gold because, you know, he's a God amongst men. And, uh, you know, definitely, I guess growing up, there was always kind of a gravitation towards science fiction and, uh, and horror at the same time. Um, you know, Beetlejuice is always up there. You know, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters is always up there, you know, uh, back to the future is still is probably definitely easy top five, but, uh, but then, um, you know, horror movies, the exorcist is, still to this day my favorite horror movie and rosemary's baby is those two are my like you know my big horror movies that i i recommend everybody if you haven't seen it too but my wife knows knows way more about horror movies than i'll ever hope to because she's way cooler than me so a connoisseur of horror movies i love it that's like the perfect job (laughs) yeah um, uh, what about any bands or so- sorry what no go ahead man oh um, I was just curious about bands or new music that you might have been jamming out as well as far as new music goes I don't particularly care for a lot of new music and that's my age showing I think but <laughs> uh, my favorite thing that's come out in the last year is definitely the new run the jewels it is uh, it is probably i don't know that i'm going to say it's their best work but it is definitely up to par with what the other three run the jewels albums so um and i highly recommend that if you enjoy hip-hop as a art form that actually requires talent um you should listen to run the jewels because rap and hip-hop for the most part kind of sucks right now and they are still like fighting the good fight of making sick beats and and great rhymes and also have a great message too so that's that's my my music my musical tastes are very eclectic in that i i kind of venture all over um i will go from listening to hip-hop to listening to george Strait in the same hour and that's (laughs) perfectly normal and uh but now um bands that i really enjoy that have i guess for me have made a huge impact or at least kind of shaped my musical taste you know one band in particular is a band called hopes fall out of north carolina that have literally no mainstream success at all um they broke up for a long time and recently put out a new record called arbiter last year and it's it's uh pretty great um but that band is to me one of the coolest bands you know they're they're kind of a spacey hard rock hardcore band it started out as a hardcore band it kind of ventured into the realm of like hum and uh you know stuff like that so um another band is uh he is legend also also from north carolina they have the nastiest riffs on the planet. Adam Tambos is literally the nastiest guitar player 
ever to walk the face of the earth. Um, and and uh, Skyler's got like the gnarliest voice, and it's like Southern rock meets like metal. It's like Rob Zombie had a baby with the Almond Brothers, and Jesus, it's <laughs> super weird and. I love it, and I've always loved that band. Uh, they're great. Um, what else? I mean, Thrice is amazing. Everybody knows that. Um, I know you're a big fan of Glassjaw as well. Glassjaw's great. You know, their more recent stuff is kind of out there. I feel like they could have been something really interesting, but they kind of, I don't know. I feel like they've kind of went off the far end and done some their stuff's cool it's innovative it's 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 i don't know kind of fell out of interest the last their last release was kind of it was good but just didn't grab me like the you know worship and tribute their their best record you know and uh but good stuff and it's still great band um but yeah i mean thrice is incredible everything that dustin touches is is gonna turn to gold because he's just such a prolific songwriter i mean the guys like as far as songwriter lyricists go he's probably my favorite ever you know and um just uh just a remarkable songwriter um i can't i can't say enough good things about him and uh by the way thank you for getting that wedding message to me from dustin uh from the london show that was that was one of the coolest things ever so thank you for that not a problem man like i said you've done a lot for me so I was you like, straight you know, up i cannot you straight up huh? you straight up cornhole dustin cancer outside the gig and made him send me a video wishing me and my wife uh congratulations on our wedding that's the gnarliest thing probably anybody's done for me so that's pretty fucking cool man so Thanks. No worries, man. Thank you. It's all, I'm, I'm glad you appreciate it. I remember like I had a hotel literally around the corner from the venue and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to stay outside this venue until I see him come out. And he came out another entrance on the bus and um, he came at, he actually came back off the bus as well. And I was just like, hey, Dustin, uh, can you do this for me, please? Yeah, he's <laughs> such a cool dude. I've met him before. Uh, he was doing an acoustic show and covington kentucky right across the river and it was, it was like an acoustic show with him and i can't remember who else was on it i feel like anthony green might have been on it but I, I didn't care at that time i was like you know i want to go see dustin and he was like felt like total shit and was like you know after his set he like walked over to the bar or something i think he was just getting a bourbon to like help his throat and i was like <laughs> gushing over him like oh i think you're the greatest blah 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 he was so sweet so cool like it was awesome but yeah he's a good he's a good human being he really is like he'll have all the time in the world for you as well even though they had to go from london to manchester he still took the time out to like you know do the message for you and then still chat about the music and the evolution and stuff and i was just like i could pick this guy's brain for hours oh, yeah. like, he's, he's so rad. I was so thankful you recommended Thrice to me, and I was just like, Nick, I'm so thankful. I know you're not even here. <laughs> yeah, dude, they, they just have the best, he has the best lyrics, and this, you know, they're really just everything, you know, I hate it when a song, like a songwriter or an artist writes a song, and then they're like, oh, and I go, what's that about? And they go, oh, and it's like, it's a bunch of bullshit they threw on a, on a, on a, piece of paper it's like 
if you're gonna do it, make it worth it. Like, you know, yeah, I've got books and books of lyrics I could dump onto a song, you know, that would probably be all right. You know, you have the opportunity to do this every single day, and you're writing bullshit. So, come on, you know, I don't, and it's that that drives me crazy. But whatever, you know, that's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, like as long as it's got a positive message and a, uh, an interesting message behind it. That, I mean, it doesn't even have to have. It doesn't even have to have positive message. I mean, it could be total, totally negative. It's just got to be about something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to end it on one last question um, because um, it's been a great chat and I didn't want to keep you much longer. Sorry, um, especially with the time differences and stuff. Um, you probably got to go eat soon or something. Uh, <laughs> but um, I wanted to know how do you think we can be better as a, as a society to live together the best we can through with so many different different views and faiths and beliefs from our ancestors when uh, I mean, our ancestors ancestors probably used to go to war in the past, but how do you believe we can probably live together with so many different views that clash? Well, how much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, here's the thing, you know, three words more divided now than I think it, I don't know that it's ever been more divided or not. I don't. I just know that we live in a world where there are, you know, I, I, somebody posted on social the other day, it was, they said, you know, we can have, you know, differences in opinion and still be friends. And I was like, you're right. We can't have differences in opinion and still be friends. We cannot have differences in ideologies and still be friends. And I firmly believe in that. I firmly believe that if you believe that your race is superior to another race, I want nothing to do with you. And you are not my friend. You're not going to be my friend. You're going to be my enemy until you change the way you are. Because I know I'm right. And you think you're right, but you're not. Because no one race is superior to any other race. I'm sorry. I don't care that's not a thing that I will ever compromise on. And that's not something that anybody should compromise on. I mean, it's 2020, you know, we're not living in the 1860s, you know, we're not living in the, the 1960s, you know, we're living in the 21st century and somehow people still think that they are better than somebody else because of the color of their skin. And, or their religion, or their sexuality, or anything, you know, I don't, I don't see, I don't get that, and I never will, you know, I don't understand why, I mean, I'm the type of person where it's like, look, I don't care, you know, be you, you do you, you know, and, and, and we can all be friends, you know, it's cool, but I, I will not, and never will, you know, condone somebody's hate, or allow somebody's hate and it's just it's so stupid to me by by yeah because go ahead i'm sorry carry on i was gonna say it's like we've evolved so much from like probably when our ancestors more than likely fought in the american revolution till today in 2020 we've evolved so much and then today we see still so much of that um 
hate towards other people because you know they've got a different color skin to you or you know they do something else that is completely mad but we're still living in this crazy time where i feel we should just you know find this middle ground um i don't know how you feel about that well i would love to find a middle ground however there's the re- there there's what we wish and what is reality and what is reality mm. is that there are people in this world specifically in this country that they're not going to change they're not willing to change they don't want to change they are literally defending the statues of a soldier who fought for his right to own people yeah that's horrible like like his right <laughs> to own human beings like that's fucked up like why would you do that why would you do that it's my heritage it's not your fucking heritage like most of these people that are out there defending this shit i guarantee you if we went in 23 and meet meet them you know whatever the ancestry.com them half those fucking people probably have no ties to the confederacy whatsoever they just so handed carolina you know and it's like congratulations you just become a hillbilly you know like don't be proud of that it's not something to be proud of being ignorant and un- and undereducated like you're not better than anybody and it's been how many years it's you know the civil war ended in 1865 and yet we're still you know the confederacy you know there's been shitty bands that have survived longer than the confederacy <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know, it's like there's why? Why do we celebrate something that happened for five years? Why do we celebrate people that abandon our country? You know, and, and are are plotted as heroes when they literally said that they broke away from the United States. If I right now went out and said am denouncing my United States citizenship. Because in this day and age, if I said I'm denouncing my United States citizenship because I want to be able to own people, I would be committed to an institution or locked up. It's and, good that we've evolved to that spot then, I guess. And well, certain, if you, if, certain people yeah. have evolved. Certain people have evolved, but a lot of people refuse to evolve. And they don't want to evolve because of some deep-seated shit that they were taught when they were a kid. Look, I grew up in a small town in Indiana where there were... I didn't meet an African-American person until I was 18 years old and I was in the Army. And that is a fact. You know, I was raised in an environment in a town where, yeah, everybody was white. I was raised in that culture and I was, you know, not that my family were racist or anything because they really weren't, but you know, we were surrounded by people who didn't know any better. They knew that when they drove a half hour north to the bigger city and they saw, you know, black people in the street, that they 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 thought that they were somehow better than them because, you know, their neighborhood didn't look as good as, as ours, you know, or whatever. Some stupid, you know, preconce- wow. preconceived shit. And, and, you know, I grew out of that. I changed my, what I was conditioned to believe and became a good human being why can't everybody else you know 
but this is, it's not that they can't, it's that they don't want to. And that's what it comes down to. And people just, you know, how can we all come together? Well, I, I believe that I and most good people, we're already at the table. We're ready. It's the rest of them that haven't even stepped foot in the door, let alone stepped up to the table to find common ground. And that's where you run into what's happening in America right now. You know, it's the people that are, you know, screaming, all lives matter. And it's like, no, you don't get it. You don't understand. Of course, every life matters. Duh. We all know that. But yeah, but Black Lives Matter means so much more in that it's like, look, you've never I mean, I'm a white guy. You know, I don't know what it's like to get pulled over in fear for my life. I don't know that. You know, people that deny white privilege are so it's stupid. It's dumb. You have white. It's a thing. It exists, you know, and and in America, it's 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 very prevalent. You know, it's the one thing I notice when I go to Europe and I go to other countries. I don't see the things that I see here. You know, when I go to the UK, I don't see it. You know, maybe it's because I have snapshots. Maybe it exists. I just don't see it because I'm only there for a short amount of time. But, you know, it's it's going to take it's not going to take compromise on on my front i can tell you that most decent human beings in the world that you know i'm not compromising i refuse to compromise i'm not going to meet you in the middle on your bullshit racist views you know you're gonna you're gonna come to my side or you're not gonna or nothing at all and that's that's where we're at as a society and that's where we been a long time ago because a long time ago it was well we're not gonna you know we'll meet you in the middle you know the you know have segregation but we'll let you keep your confederate flags and your in your statues of your fallen generals you know we'll let you keep general lee's statue up and jefferson davis boulevard will still be a thing but you know just just don't segregate anybody it'll be cool that was us compromising when it should have been, no, go fuck yourself, take the rebel flag and shove it up your ass because you're a racist piece of shit and you shouldn't be like that. You know, that was what it should have been. And now it's finally getting to that point where, you know, I always say, I say, I've said this a hundred times probably in the last couple of months is like, how would you feel if you were a Jew in Germany right now? And they had statues of Himmler. Yeah, that's a really good point. What would you do if you were a Jew in Germany right now and you had to see people flying Nazi flags? I'd be disgusted. You'd probably be pretty pissed off, right? Yeah. Well, that's what's what's happening right now in America. You know, that's what's going on. People are pissed. They should be, you know. And people are defending that still to this day. You can't legally have a Nazi flag in the country of Germany. It's illegal. You know, they li- literally, yeah, you can't. It, yeah, any sort of like anything to do. I mean, they have washed that country dry of anything to do with the Nazis. You know, there's still some buildings around, but they don't have any swastikas on them. You know, what's the point demolishing a good building? You know, I guess. Um but, you know, there's and nobody over there except for their crazy far right people that they have are trying to keep that alive. 
it's just over here it's been it's so far you know the the people that still want to keep you know, the south rise again you know those idiots are are allowed to be here because we have a constitution that says you have freedom of speech wow can you imagine if that got changed then like oh god no that'll, that'll never get changed i mean our constitution is you know that that will that if anything changes from our constitution that's the one thing that will never change is freedom of speech you know so you know can we find middle ground uh i mean from my side i don't want to find middle ground with those people you know it's that's not that's not on the agenda you know finding you know trying to find the good in people yeah i I believe that everybody does have good in them and that's great but if there is anything like that you know i'm I'm not interested in it and i I think most of america is that way right now too so i suppose you get that first-hand experience from uh obviously living there and everything so um yeah um it's everywhere man it's you can't escape it it's literally everywhere everywhere you turn i want I wonder how it's going to change throughout the future when I grow up as well. That'll be interesting. <laughs> just, just don't ever grow up, man. You'll be good. You want to come to Neverland with me? Yeah? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Nick, I want to say it's been an absolute honor to have you on the show, man. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for taking the time out. Thanks for having me, man. I'd love to do it again sometime. Definitely. I'll be so up for that. Part two. Um, and um, I can't wait to come see you. Um the wife yeah, and the family Absolutely. will go hit up Skyline. <laughs> yes. We will go to Skyline for sure. Oh, get them good old conies as well. Oh, I've missed them so much. <laughs> yeah, they're great, man. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your evening. All right, Take buddy. care, man. We'll see you. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>